CorporalNetwork.com. This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using The Tome's Amazon affiliate links. Welcome to the Tome Book Club. The Tome is a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Greiner. In each book club episode, we discuss one D&D-related book, spoilers be damned, in full book club style, and our book this time around is Night of the Long Shadows by Paul Crilly. And with us, as always, is Eric M. Paquette, now with a whole new shiny government. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Because he's Canadian, for people who aren't following along at home. Well, the, the government's been elected, and it will be named November 4th, so nice. okay. it's still close. But yeah. time, by the time they listen to this, you'll have a yeah. new shiny government. <laughs> so tonight we're discussing The Night of Long Shadows. It's a book set in Eberron that was part of a line of one-shot stories incl- featuring Inquisitives, a sort of a private detectives in the Eberron world. It's a few years old, but it came recommended to us, so we checked it out. Besides, with only a few books coming out each year, we have more and more time to explore some of our roots when it comes to D&D books. So, Night of the Long Shadows. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I believe, uh, Eric, you what? didn't you uh, bring, this, bring us this recommendation? It was actually brought by my girlfriend, Brenda. She read it, and she recommended it, and... She enjoyed. Plus, it's connected to some comics we've because we've made some the two Inquisitives mm-hmm. in there, Torin and Ren. We've talked previously. Oh, those are the same same Inquisitives from the from the comics, right? The comics. So we've this. talked them before, and so we're just actually this is the first appearance of them. So okay, yeah, I don't know that I had I had actually made that connection, but I I vaguely recall those comics now. I'm gonna have to go pull them out. Was that the was it the infestation storyline or something? They did a big yes. crossover thing, yeah. The crossover where Cthulhu is showing up. In, <clears throat> in all these different, was it IDW comics? Yeah. Yeah. So. Very good. So what is The Night of Long Shadows about? Long Shadows. It is about Long Shadows. But kind of. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a time of year, right? And a festival. Yeah, the, the Night of Long Shadows is like, what, a three-day or so festival um, wh- that deals a lot with, like, um, some of the more savage, I guess you, you'll, you'd you say, races, sort of getting out and partying and going crazy. Yeah, I believe it's the hobgoblins, the bugbears, yeah. the Goldenoid races. Which has almost nothing to do with the story. No, it, it just <laughs> happens between three days of the Long Shadows, which right. I, I don't know if it's... If Long Shadows last longer than three days, but the story takes place within the first three days of that period. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I found it kind of a cross between Sherlock Holmes and the A Team. Hmm. I definitely see the Sherlock Holmes. In fact, yeah. the the entire story felt to me like Paul Curley saying, "Hey, I'm going to do D and D Sherlock Holmes." I mean, you even have uh, you have a Holmes, you have a um, Watson, right, in, in the yep. form of, of Tor and the Dwarf, um, who even comes into it with a similar attitude. He's more of a family man. He, you know, um, so, yeah, he definitely has that. Uh, Ren, who's the, the was he half-elf? 
Yeah, he's a half elf. Is the is the Sherlock equivalent who's also, you know, independently wealthy and eccentric and mostly just doing it for fun because it's a way of exercising his mental faculties and Right. And he is quite uh, astute and perceptive and, and stuff like that. But then you have the A team because like there's a prison breakout and going in and infiltrating areas and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I suppose that's a lot more active than Sherlock would most most likely take, right? Yeah. That's a good point. Well, because uh, the other main character that you're following through your cutter, which is get involved into this, yeah, would, I would see, probably more like uh, B.A. Baracus in the A-team. Tough. Which is which is tricky too, right? Because um, – and this is one of the things I actually liked about it is that um, Cutter is sold that way early on or everybody thinks of him that way. <clears throat> but you actually find out as he starts to interact more with Rin in like the second half of the book um, that he's a lot more astute and witty than he's given credit for, right? There's, there, there are these moments where, where um, Rin's like, you know, you if this thing with Torn doesn't work out, this guy could actually – be a decent sidekick to to train as an inquisitive, so, which right. I liked. I liked that he he had a little bit more depth. Yeah. Although he was very emotionally driven, right? So he he had to get past his issues in this book before he could ever become that inquisitive. Which yeah. Do you want to you want to talk about those emotional issues he has? Sure. Let's talk about that. So the the story is basically. Um, Woman prostitute um, is off on a job and something goes wrong and Cutter, who happens to be dating said prostitute, um, goes to the university where her client was to figure out where she's been and, and what's going on, um, finds that the the client has been murdered. Uh, there's a crazy, you know, shadowy war forge there that totally kicks his butt. Uh, and then as he's picking himself up and picking up his daggers, uh, Torn the dwarf walks in and sees him. And so he be- Cutter becomes the assumed murderer of the client, of the professor, who never really gets a name, does he? He's just the professor. Um, that leads to him going on this, I got to stay away from people so I don't get arrested thing. And then meanwhile, uh, Ren and Tor- through Torn is dragged into the case and they become, you know, the privatized, the... Um, um, the freelancers working with the police department sort of, you know, Sherlock Holmes sort of role, right? Of, hey, this does seem like a weird case. Let's see if we can figure it out for you. And it turned out um, it, it started fairly straightforward of the Warforged or somebody was there to get so- to steal something. Um, Rowan, the, the girlfriend prostitute, um, is presumed to have taken it and in fact did take it. Um, and so everybody's looking for her. Uh, she doesn't make it out of the whole thing, um, which, you know, gets Cutter crazy mad and slowly but surely is discovered that uh, Cutter didn't do it. Everybody is hunting him down, but except for Ren and Torin, who figured out he's not guilty, who are working with him to figure out who, what this is and what was in the box. And it's this large convoluted plot. And then once you think you figured out what the plot is, it turns out it was actually something else to begin uh, all along. Uh, and it keeps going like that until the entire city starts to fall down. Yeah. <laughs> is that basically it? Yeah. I, I sped through the last, you know, b- part of it really fast. So. Yeah. And, and I, I do feel there was a lot of um, 
complexity in the plot that I don't know added to the story sometimes because there's this whole part where um, they they figure out where Rowan probably hid the thing that she stole before she died. They went there, it wasn't there. They meet this other woman who says, oh, well, first she says, oh, well, this lich has it because it, it's in the city of the dead. Oh. <laughs> and then they're like, well, that doesn't really make sense. And she eventually tells them, oh, no. Uh, uh, I have it, but I need this thing. I need you to go steal this thing for me, and then I'll give it to you. And the guy had stolen it from you to begin with, so it's fine. You'll, you'll still be good guys. And then they get there, and then they realize she just totally played them because right. one of them's a big "I must do things for the ladies" type guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just it, there's a like that whole part seemed a little. Off. Well, and it was um, that that part seemed a little unnecessary. I mean, it, it does a yeah. It does an interesting job of highlighting the the abundant shades of gray in the setting, right? Um, you know, and that's one of the things about Eberron is just because just you're a lich doesn't mean you're the bad guy, and just because you're the cleric who watches over the dead doesn't mean you're the good guy, right? And neither one of them were particularly good or bad, I guess. Right? They're both kind of villains in their own right. They they had their goals, their had agendas, mm-hmm. and they were just plain random. But I, yeah, but I don't know that it added anything to. The larger plot, right? I, yeah, and to me, it, it left this weird thing where, like, it seemed, um, like all along, all the women were duplicitous in a way. Hmm. Except, except we didn't really meet uh, what's his name, the the dwarf sidekick's wife, uh, mm-hmm. that that much. Yeah, we didn't re- meet her that much. Kind of like it, you rarely meet up with Watson's wife in right. the book. Well, yeah. Although I don't know that Rowan was particularly duplicitous, so she much as so much steal. as she just died. Well, no, but she was. She is planning to steal the thing. Was she planning to steal it, or did she steal it in that moment of watching him get the professor get murdered? No, at the beginning, and this was part of the thing was that there was a lot going on, and it was hard to remember at the beginning, keep mm-hmm. everything straight from from the very beginning. By the time I got to the end of the book, but I remember her and. Uh, um, Cutter had a conversation about this this thing being stolen, and the part of the reason I remember it was because she had said she was already put into a room, hmm. uh, and she and she was kind of remarked about it, thinking one thing. And I remember Cutter's line was, uh, he thought to himself that, or maybe she, he he just doesn't see you as a threat, hmm. which uh, because I uh, um I don't know if I knew it was a detective story by that point. But it kind of reminded me of a uh, of other stories where stuff like that will happen, and it's because the person knows that something else is going on, mm-hmm. and they want a witness. And for some reason, that stuck with me from the beginning of the book. Mm. And I was arguing with Cutter, like in my my yeah. head. <laughs> yeah, the then, the female roles in the book certainly weren't um, positive or strong, right? Yeah, I'm not saying like they're they're horrible or anything. And I did think it was cool because, as you point out, she was a courtesan, mm-hmm. and she, but she's also a person, and people care about her and, yeah. and she's, she's very, definitely humanized yeah and i like that part for sure mm-hmm. yeah because yeah she was trying to steal, she thought it, the, the package was dream lily and wanted to get a better life with right. they were, they were trying to buy their way out from under the organized crime family they were with right right and so these are people trying to save themselves but of course that always goes sideways yes. you can't you can't save yourself just don't try just stay in your horrible <laughs> life this is a message to everybody out there listening. If you try to sit to to better your situation in life, uh, 
you will either destroy the city or summon a shadow demon. Nobody knows for sure. Well, and this is something else that stuck out out me from the book because a lot of times, and I think he often used pretty much the same phrasing each time. Everyone's excuse is, "Oh, well, so and so made me do it." Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout it, like as if they had no other choices and uh, they were forced to do it. Well, I felt I felt like some of that was because he was layering deception on top of deception on top of deception right right they went through the first half of the book thinking it was a drug it was this dream lily and then right. it turned out they, it, that it's a kyber shard a, this crystal right and it has a shadow demon trapped in it that's going to kill the entire city council and set these certain people up for success except it turned out there was somebody manipulating them and it's not actually that at all they need it for some machine that's literally going to disrupt the magic of a certain part of the city and make it fall and kill you know lots and lots of people because I'm an evil warforged and I hate everybody. Right. So I think it was just them layering plot. Now, you talked about it being complex. And and while it took me a little while to get hooked in the beginning, that's not unusual for reading a book for me. Um, And I actually was impressed with how well I followed along considering it was plot on top of plot on top of plot um, to the point that I kind of wished there was a little more complexity woven in. Like – the, yeah. the shadowy Warford shows up at the beginning, and that was cool to see that the, ult- the ultimately what turns out to be the big villain of the whole story was like the first villain you ever met. Yeah, and that was cool. Yeah. I wish there had been more of him or it, um, sort of popping in here and there, or signs of he that it's watching well, from the shadows, or that, that, that you know. The, but there's like no it like. It's, it makes it a cameo at the beginning, and then you don't hear anything about it, and it just sort of turns out it's a megalom- megalomaniacal um, warforged, yeah, it, and that's it. That's it. And I felt I felt let down at the end of the book a little bit with like the the fight between the mach- like uh, was it was it Ren or Cutter in the machine? The very end. Uh, well, just, Cutter was fighting the warforged, right? Yeah. Sorry, not the machine. Uh, the warforged. Yeah. Um, like it seemed anticlimactic the, the whole well, it, certainly, it certainly went quickly yeah compared to like all the other details and stuff and that's why it's like i feel like there's the complexity and things that um were great about maybe exploring the setting more and understanding even that that whole discussion of the part of the city where the artificer lived mm-hmm. uh, i thought was pretty cool but it wasn't necessarily all adding to the story it's the core story and so yeah that part was overly simplistic right like so you 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 meet the warforged you you have all this investigation and breaking out of prison and going to the the city of the dead uh and then you finally end up it's like we had this whole detour through the part of the book and then you pick the storyline back up but realize you don't have many pages left and it's compressed mm-hmm. yeah and I, I don't i mean that almost some of that feels like part of the genre, right? Um, how many times did, did Sherlock Holmes get into a fight with Moriarty that went on for three or four chapters, right? I mean, um, fights in detective stories tend to go pretty quick. Yeah, right? and there's a, the, oh, is it the, the red-haired lady? <laughs> mm-hmm. Where the, there's, there's a little more give and take, I feel. The, like one who, the one who used to know Cutter as, was a Blackbird? and then, Oh, no, like, I mean in Sherlock Holmes, but yeah. Oh, oh. You mean Irene Adler? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she. Um, his, lo- his love and in- his love interest that Holmes uh, plays with. Yeah, well, and they keep having these interactions, or uh, he notices 
thing, I, if I recall correctly from the book, like, he would notice things that she did uh, because there was an ongoing cat and mouse game almost. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I can get that with the, with the genre, that you don't have that many fights. And that's why it's kind of hard, I feel like, to do homes in, in this type of fantasy. Yeah, and, and part of that, some of that is just because, at least I feel like to me, I'm conditioned after reading enough, you know, um, action adventure fantasy or, or reading enough Ed Greenwood or Bob Salvatore that um, I expect fight scenes to be really detailed and go on for a long time and involve all kinds of crazy magics and whatever. Um, oh, yeah, but I'm not talking about the fight scenes. I just mean the, all the whole other... conclusion was a. Yeah, and then the. It just wrapped up really fast. Yeah, and then it wrapped up really fast. And, and we, we went through so many people in order to get to where it was going. We went to the, the guy that was the city councilor, to the head of, or the unrecognized son who, of the head of the, of the, of the crime the Bor- family. The Bormar clan, right? Yeah, Bormar clan. And all that, you know, like, it was just, there's a lot of things to try to remember and keep track of in that sense mm-hmm. that I don't know necessarily really helped you understand the story of this Warforged artificer and this machine. Yeah. No, and I, I, that's, in fact, I, I don't disagree. I feel like that's why I was talking about I wish sort of the story of the Warforged had been wove, yeah. woven throughout the story or at least hinted and foreshadowed a little bit subtly um, so that it didn't feel like, oh, this is what it is. It's done. You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> let us let us build up that storyline that that almost was not a thing for most of the book. Right. Right. Um, do we think it was an accident in the audiobook that it was um, basically a D&D Sherlock Holmes story and it was narrated by a British reader? Or do you think that was intentional? I'm not sure. Is Paul, I, is Paul Quilly British? Uh, he lives in South America. Oh, that's America, uh, South Africa. Oh, okay. So. Which is British-ish. It was. <laughs> I mean, it was part of the empire in the same way United, United States and Canada were. I guess <laughs> Canada still is, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> so the monarch. Yeah, we were still at the, the monarch. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think the guy is really good at that. The reader was very good at voices. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed the the reading. Yeah, Paul um, Quilly was born in Scotland but moved to South Africa when oh. he was eight years old. Oh, okay, sweet. But he's at least connected to the British culture pretty strongly. That it makes sense for him to have done yeah. a. Uh, a book like this, or a story like this. But, but he really worked on developing out the, I think, the different voices and keeping them distinct. Because there are also, I mean, there wasn't an amazing number of characters, but there is a fair number. Hmm. Yeah, um, if nothing else, there were a lot of um, second or third order characters. Mm-hmm. You know, like the main characters, Cutter, Ren, Torin. I kept up with them pretty well. The the little A team um, bit in the middle. In fact, now that you say that, now that I, we start talking about it, I recognize even more so because he actually literally got the old team back together, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, and and went into this crazy um, this crazy uh, Ocean's Eleven sort of scheme. Yeah, ice. Um, and then we find out. We but leave. all of them, yeah, all of them, I kind of half 
recognize right. who they were. I, like, I, I was able to follow along with who they were at the time that I needed to know about them. And then once they were, once that part of the story was over, I completely forgot about them, obviously. Um, and then there's all those secondary characters, right? The the woman who's now part of the guard that they used to know, and the woman who calls him Blackbird that he used to used to be in his crew. Or that's is that the same woman, or is those different women? I feel like they were different. I think so, but I can't remember those those parts where I was having a, a little bit harder time keeping mm-hmm. straight. Uh, and there are a fair number of female characters in the book because. We, like, there's Rowan, there's the two you just mentioned, mm-hmm. there's Kayla. And not all of them are villains uh, or end up dying to motivate people because there's the um, police or the, the guard woman who he sets up uh, a date with. And then is what I think at the end he was forced to follow through on. Yeah, Torin put, pushes him to it and says, I guess you have to go on that date. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, how did, and then we, we also met Cole later, who's this secret, like, secret. government agent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fact, or something like that. And that was another thing that, like, completely took me off guard. Like, I, f- I felt like I must have accidentally fast-forwarded through a chapter, because I felt like he wasn't there, and all of a sudden, he's a thing. Right. Because, so, did, did that just happen really fast? <laughs> the whole, <laughs> hey, I'm here, and now I'm part of the group. Yeah, it was a fast introduction of the character, but it, but once he was there, it felt natural that he was there. Yeah, no, he 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 was he was built in, and he worked well with the group, and he and he went along well with the story. Yeah. So no, I didn't I didn't dislike the character. I just felt like, uh, and that's I guess that's not always unusual in this genre as well. Yeah, is that sometimes things feel like they're not going anywhere and then all of a sudden they go somewhere really fast, you know, or something just happens and you accept it and move on. Um, or look, there's, you know, hey, guess what? We figured out the whole plot. The fight and how it resolves isn't important. We figured out the plot. That's the important yeah. thing. So now let's get past it and finish up the story, you know? Yeah, I, I had to deal with it a lot um, in the books of The Wheel of Time I did read. I haven't read all of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and there's a lot of exploration and exposition and stuff. And then at, for a couple of them, and at the end, there's like this big fight, but it, it's over in, in relatively few pages compared to everything else. Mm-hmm. But for Cole, I, I felt he was, for the um, Holmes, like, it seemed. He was like a mix of Mycroft and uh, Detective Lassar hmm. for being official that Holmes needed to be able, well, or to, official that Ren needed to deal with the current situation. Yeah. He also reminded me a little bit of Doctor Who because he had the paper. Oh. <laughs> hmm. The psychic paper? Yeah, it wasn't quite psychic paper. It was just like this guy gets to do whatever he wants. Because yeah, yeah. So. His, his but, paperwork is, or his, you know, is basically his badge that says, yeah, I, I'm one of these people. You just listen yeah. to me now. Yeah. How did we feel about, um, it was Kayla, I think, right? The surprise with her? The the woman that works at the university when Torian is left behind? What? What, at the beginning when Torn was left behind? No. No, 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 near the end. So, uh, Ren and Cutter are out dealing with things, and they had Torin wait at the university for Cutter to come back. 
and they had the whole discussion, like, it sounds like, I'm pretty sure her name was Kayla, uh, was gonna go get Torin some food, and then he turns around to go back in, and he has a sharp pain because she stabbed him in the back. But yeah, half the team was female for old Ren's team, and yeah, I did sort of feel like it would have been nice to see, um, like, I get that you're doing Sherlock Holmes, but why not do uh, a twist on it? Why can't the Holmes character or the Watson character be, be female? Um, it, like, it, it, there's nothing that necessitates that, that like gender in either of those. Like the show Elementary, where they have Lucy Liu play the Watson character? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So. I was yeah. also waiting to find out that uh, Torin's wife actually really liked Ren. And that was why they weren't allowed to meet. Oh. Which, who knows? Maybe that comes in a later story. There is a second book in the series. Which I've been told is a more complex storyline. Okay. More character development. Yeah, more character development than all that. So, yeah. Which, yeah, which, I have a copy. Which may not be bad. Uh, it's, it's weird because it's listed as the Chronicles of Abraxas Rin book two. But I'm pretty sure book one is this one. Even, well, that, even this though it's not the, listed yeah. This one's the first one of the Chronicles of Abraxas Ren, but it's book two of the Inquisitive's uh, story, which basically did the same thing as the Sundering. Right. Where you had a bunch of... Well, it wasn't even like the Sun. They used to do this a lot with... Um, there were some Realms books that did the same sort of thing, where it was like, hey, we're going to do a whole series of books about fighters, and then they would do something like that. It was kind of like that, right? It wasn't like yeah. one big event. It was... It was just highlighting a specific type of character. Yeah, it was a top. They had a, a, a linked topic. Right. So. So, and in so. fact, uh, Aaron Evans—that's how she got her start. She did. Um, they did a series based in Waterdeep, I think, and and they had nothing to do with each other other than they just wanted a bunch of books based in, out of Waterdeep, and it was a chance for um, some new authors to sort of try their hand at writing in the realms and seeing how they did. It was like an Ed Greenwood presents Waterdeep um, thing. I remember uh, reading that and reviewing it and questioning Aaron's uh, knowledge about the realms because she did weird things with the gods. Turned out she she did okay. Cool. <laughs> I think she's good now. Yeah, I think she got it. <laughs> she, I think she probably had it then. She was just doing something intentional, but and I didn't clue in on it. But any last thoughts on this book, Night of Long Shadows? How do we feel about the use of dragon shards? Um, I mean, there was just the one really discussed, right? right? Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with most of the plot points. If I have any critique or whatever with it, it's it's it is just the um, the back seat that female characters take throughout the whole book. Um, there are yeah. a lot more of them, which is great compared to some books I've read. Right. Uh yeah, no, and you know what, actually, I was just thinking to you, one of the things is I feel that the book assumed knowledge of Eberron a little more than I am used to. Hmm. Okay, I mean, yeah. that, may be, that may be fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have, I have generally passing knowledge of Eberron. I haven't spent a lot of time in that world, so I don't consider myself an expert in Eberron by any means. Uh, but I had enough knowledge that there was nothing about it that confused me. So, I mean, there were certain things like me, 
okay, I, I got the overall concept of a dragon shard. Enough for the story itself, but I'm not too sure how it works in the Eberron setting because I haven't really read much for Eberron. I have the fourth edition Eberron book, which I should read at one point. We read one other Eberron book, right? Yeah. We did maybe, one. Maybe uh, more than one, but not that many. Yeah, that wasn't that many. There was one that was kind of connected to the MMO, I think. The D uh, D Online, right? Um, so I, we read that one, and I in fact I remember talking to the author, um, and I remember liking it. It was about a dwarf, and I like dwarves, so you know, <laughs> that's a win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of much else. I mean, I I liked it. I I think people like it. Yeah. It's a it was a good mix of. A, doing a mystery in a D&D universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, rather than doing an action-adventure, it still had an element of action-adventure. Yeah. A pulpish style. Yeah, I mean, it had enough... Um, it had enough action to be D&D, right? Um, while still being sort of a Sherlock Holmesy version of D&D. Uh, it wasn't entirely action-packed. Like, if this was an entire... If this was being played as a game, it would have been with, you know... It would have been a one sh- uh, a one-on-one, you know, one DM and, and one player. Because um, there's not really a party except for, you know, people who pop in here and there. Maybe two players, right? If you Cutter's uh, got his own player. Um, and, it, and it would be the entirety... would be, like, maybe a session or two, Right. It's a pretty quick, small story, and yeah. there's not a lot of combats taking up time. So right. In fact, there's a random encounter with the what, Reaver. The um, oh yeah, yeah, when the they're with the whole thing at the tower. Yeah. Right. They were there. Um, they meet the guy who created the Warforged, and he's gone crazy. And then the Warforged shows up and burns the tower down around him. Is that yeah? What, and then they have to get out. And but but the. Um, the crazy, insane. They, uh, you you called them reavers, and I don't think they were called that. It was something very close, but, but it was uh, close because it reminded me of reavers from Firefly. Yeah, that's what I thought of too. Mm-hmm. And I and I know they mentioned the name a few times, but because I I was reading it, I can't go back and easily refresh my memory. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it. Was. It was something like Reavers. It might have just been Reavers. We might be working too hard. To <laughs> Reavers, Reavers. Some... Very good. So, any other last thoughts? I want more women in major roles, but that ship has sailed. Tracy's happy that there's more women than some other books than we've read. So, that's improvement, I guess. I mean, improvement from eight years I, ago. I also would love this. This has made me reignited my passion for a CSI fantasy book. Yeah. <laughs> you, you go ahead and get on that. Because I want that to exist so write, badly. Write that book. Because they, they sometimes get into gunfights and stuff in CSI. Like, yeah, sure, it happens. I, I believe you. I have never seen an episode of CSI. Or it could be NCIS. I don't care. I, I like crime procedurals. Yeah, I don't. Sure. <laughs> I pretty much hate crime procedurals. But, you well, know, cool. Like, they hinted at, like, well, if we get a cleric in quick enough, maybe they can talk to 
uh-huh. uh, the dead, per- dead professor, but then they never do it. I was like, sad. Oh, no, they did do it. They just did it off camera, and then they came back later and said, yeah, he didn't really know anything. Yeah, I know, but it would be cool to do it on camera and have him know stuff. And have it be meaningful, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you, you'd think he at least saw the killer. Right. right? I, it was just a, a, a shadow or whatever, and then it would have you know, clued us in. Us, although we already knew who the killer was at that point. Yeah. But yes, I, I, I could totally see Abraxas ran in Torin and Cutter in a gumshoe style adventure. Yeah. Oh. Eric, any last thoughts? I'm I'm curious more about these characters and I want to read more. Well, there's a second one. Yep. Published in two thousand ten, so maybe we'll go back and um and read that one at some point. I think um, we have our next book picked out, which is uh, very different than what we've read in the past, but thematically, I think, appropriate for the timing, um, which we'll talk about in a moment. We have – I'm pretty sure after that, our next book is going to be uh, Aaron Evans' next book. So we pretty much have the next four months plotted out. Um, and I don't know when Troy Dinning's next book comes out, but that will be on the list as soon as it comes out too. So – and Tracy and I got new books, new audiobooks because it was on sale and just looked interesting. So we might have to look and consider that sometime too. Yeah. I assume you got it too, right, Tracy? I believe so, yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. And that's the end of this episode of the Tome Show Book Club. We want to thank all of our listeners out there, especially the ones that go out and use our affiliate links on Amazon and D&D Classics. That kind of support helps us do the things that we do, um, and that is the one bit of support that I work really hard at distributing amongst all of our producers, all the people who are doing the editing and writing the show notes, and, and James and Rudy who work on the other shows on the feed. Um, when you shop at Amazon uh, through our affiliate link, that gets spread around to uh, pretty much everybody who's um, regularly involved in producing these shows. And if you'd like to contact us, you can send an email at thetomeshow at gmail.com or call our biz line 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. That's 919-BizTome. And you can find show notes and other great Tome Show shows over at thetomeshow.com. That's our thoughts on The Night of Long Shadows by Paul Curley. Keep turning the page, Tomites. I'm on the wall.